The Wexford Hurling Podcast is brought to you by the Enniscorthy Credit Union, where you can join and apply for a loan on the same day. With great interest rates and special rates for car loans, green car loans and education loans. Check out their website at enniscorthycu.ie. The Enniscorthy Credit Union. Local, loyal and lending. Loans are subject to approval. Terms and conditions apply. If you do not meet the repayments on your loan, your account will go into arrears. This may affect your credit rating, which may limit your ability to access credit in the future. Enniscorthy Credit Union Limited is regulated by the Central Bank of Ireland. Catch, touch and bang. Dara is a fantastic coach and um, some really, really exciting uh, young players coming through. Um, so there's an awful lot to be uh, excited about in Wexford at the moment. I listen to dancing at the crossroads there about three or four times a week in the car on the way down just to get myself. <laughs> <laughs> Tony is like the party, uh, as we well know. Then we had Billy Byrne, who was going to come in to be the game chair. And we had to put a high ball in from the middle of the field. And Billy Byrne's job was to catch, touch and bang. Catch, touch and bang. Oh, there's no rules. This guy just grabbed the ball, threw it up in the air and then hit it. Most importantly, I'd like to thank you, the people of Wexford, who stuck with us through take and take. Come on, Wexford! We're in hell right now, gentlemen. Believe me. And we can stay here, get the shit kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. We can climb out of hell. One inch at a time. The inches we need are everywhere around us. On this team, we fight for that inch. On this team, we tear ourselves and everyone else around us to pieces for that inch. We claw with our fingernails for that inch. Because we know when we add up all those inches, that's going to make the fucking difference between winning and losing. Between living and dying. Now, what are you going to do? Please on the way, hits it hard, puts it in the end. It's a goal for Wexford. Chance of a goal. Overcomers found a little bit of space, cutting in for the left course from Ocean. Hello and welcome to a very relieved Wexford hurling podcast. What do you think it was, Ben? Was it an Al Pacino like any given Sunday speech that Dara gave them? Maybe a bit of Braveheart, or was it more of a Liam Griffin in '96 where he reminded the lads what it means to be a Wexford man? 100% it was Liam Griffin in 96. It was brilliant performance, some brilliant scores. Uh, we were just talking there about the score Rory got on the sideline where the number 17 nearly decapitated him and he scored oh, on the run. Magic. Unbelievable. And, 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 and the one he got from the ridiculously tight angle. Oh, my God. Yeah, he's he's good. He's good. He certainly is. I mean, it's just the, the performances from all over the field, from people who started, people who came on, just everything. Yeah, a lot of lads just really, really stood up. They, they showed what it really is to be Wexford men. And uh, there was one sideline that wasn't too bad. A few videos going around on social media about it. 
Yeah, there certainly was. I think it was Owen Conroy got a nice, nice view of it too. Friend was, of the pod, of course. Friend of the pod, yes. Yeah, no, Carl Dunbar certainly struck that one sweet. Uh, he's not the only one who got that. He's not the only one who got a nice video of that. He's the yeah, one I saw. He's the one I saw popping up on Twitter. There must be a lot of deleted videos of uh, failed sideline attempts. <laughs> I well, whatever was said, and whatever Dara, the backroom team, and the players did during the week, in what must have been the toughest of weeks, it worked. As Wexford pulled off the great escape, beating Kilkenny 4.23 to 5.18 in the Wexford Park sunshine in front of almost 10,000 supporters. We're delighted to be joined by another Wexford legend and All-Ireland winner, Declan Skippy Root, as well as former Offaly Hurler and current Irish independent journalist and co-host of our game, Michael Varney. Skippy, is the most amazing thing about the weekend is that we finally scored a penalty. <laughs> well, it's one of the many, how... Um... But the, the result of the penalty and what it meant, uh, it, it obviously breathed life into our challenge because up to that point we were we were looking like we were lifeless and, and rudderless and um, yeah, heading down to John McDonough um, because it was probably always likely that Antrim were going to win uh, and our, our display up to that point. Yeah, we were just, look, we were nervous. We were very nervous and, and a bit loose and a bit open and sort of snatching at chances that we had created. But um, yeah, look, that was a massive, massive moment. And, you know, not just because we, you know, even if it was level and you missed it, it'd it have big, but like we were so far off the mark that if we had to miss that, I'd, I'd even say that was curtains. But uh, it was a massive moment. And yeah, I, I just I just can't understand the miss rate with penalties at Intercounty in general. Um, I, I just... If I was taking one, I'd just hit the bloody thing as hard as I could to make sure it was on target. You're um, a bit of a Julian Dix, uh, I think, are you? <laughs> I tried to be, anyhow. <laughs> I, I think lads are looking at too much soccer and trying to stick it in the top corner. I said, look, once it crosses the white line, it's three points, and that's all that matters. So hit it as hard as you can. And if you're that close and you hit it as hard as you can, and it's just obviously doesn't hit the keeper, you have every chance of scoring. But um, some lads are very keen on placing it, and I think that's where the that's where the fall down half the time. Because boys, I was expecting a team tune for this show. That was great escape, you know. The do, 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 do. I was amazed. I was amazed it didn't lead us in at the start. Uh, we always had faith we were going to pull through. <laughs> yeah, we did. <laughs> Never in doubt. Would you have had any sympathy for us up in Offaly, Michael, if if the worst had happened? Oh Jesus, yeah. Unreal. I text Tom Dempsey last night. I live with Brendan Hobbs. He used to play with. He used to live with him. Uh, up in up in uh, up in Dublin, I texted him last night congratulating him as well. It would have been a disaster for Wexford, and it would have been a disaster for Hurling. It would have been a disaster for Leinster Hurling as well. Like lads, you have to put it this way: the people are saying, "Oh, what, what, how come there was no outcry when Offaly were relegated? Offaly deserved to be relegated. They were beaten all ends up in the four games, four or five games they played." In, in Leinster five or six years ago. Wexford are still capable of beating Kilkenny, who were in all Ireland final last year. They've beaten him the last two years. I don't think that's been done since the 76 and 77. Like Wexford are still really competitive on a given day. Um, the one problem you have is that, you know, you probably need everyone to be wearing black and amber because there's something about Wexford at the moment where, I don't know, since Davey came in, you've beaten Kilkenny in championship in 17, drew with them in 19, Beat them in 19, beat them last year, beat them this year. 
Like that's a phenomenal win rate against you know one of the one of the superpowers. Your your issue is um, getting up for other games. It looks like and been inconsistent in other games. Well, I would have had a hell of a lot of sympathy, and um, I think it's I think it's better for Wexford hurling, better for Leinster hurling, better for hurling in general that Wexford have stayed up and done so, not relying on other results elsewhere or any shenanigans like that. Taking the result by the bull of the horns. Now I have to say. I don't know how that game was allowed to throw in 10 minutes later than the one in Mullingar. I thought that was absolute, absolutely bananas because all the games were linked into each other, particularly the one in Mullingar. That probably should have been put back 10 minutes. So I don't know if there was a stroke pulled by someone in power, but there was only 9,000 in Wexford Park yesterday. There was more there for a Walsh Cup game earlier on this year. So I, I doubt traffic was hardly that bad on the win. So I don't know if there was a stroke pulled there by somebody in power. But uh, he, he knew what he had to do with 10 minutes to go, which was a nice position to be in. And was that was that any coincidence that he kicked on the last 10, 10 minutes, knowing what he had to do? Maybe it was. Do you think it would have been any more... Like, what benefit would it, would it have been, like? That we didn't have to win, so we would have lost on purpose. No, no, no. Just that <laughs> you, you know that you knew exactly what you had to do. That was that was all basically. You knew you had to get a result with ten minutes to go. Like I'm not just saying Westmead weren't in that position, Antrim weren't in that position, but he somehow ended up in that position, which I just think was a bit mad. I just think all games should have started at the same time. That's probably a brief aside. Like there was hardly that many people going into extra park that needed to be put back ten minutes. I just think the game should have all started at the same time. But as as regards the action on the pitch. Sure, listen, boys. The year all your big men stood up when you needed them most yesterday. Like it, it was mystifying that the O'Keefe didn't start against Westmead the previous week, and when he came on, you know, he came on the seventy-first minute. Kevin Foley never featured at all. Two of your better players yesterday, and like Lee Chin is just—I don't know—he's he's walking wounded at the moment. He's probably been walking wounded for the last two years, and he stood up just unbelievably when he was needed most. And probably throw Lee Mog McGovern in there as well, and probably a couple more. He, we're at the game and saw maybe more of it than I did, just seeing the highlights. But all your big players, Oshin Foley had a couple of massive moments as well when you really needed him too. Um, but all your big men stood up when they were really, really needed. Like that's that's a that's that's a pre- that's more pressure than playing an All Ireland final. You know, the pressure of relegation is nobody wanted to be associated with a Wexford team that went down to Joe McDonough. That that sort of pressure does strange things to lads. And in fairness. All your big men stood up and stood up to that pressure yesterday. And as, as Declan said there about the penalty, you were under the cosh a bit there and needed that to go in. Now, whether it was a penalty or not is another story, but you needed to, you needed to go in and no better man than, than need to step up and score when, when the need was the greatest. Can you compare, like, obviously the lads, I think you, you said earlier, Declan, that they seemed really nervous at the start. And that, that once that goal went in, it kind of calmed everyone down. But can you compare the intensity they showed yesterday to the lack of intensity they showed last week? I should look, there's no comparison. <clears throat> I mean, there was a, a little bit of it in the first half, but I mean, it was just zero. I should look, the, the, everybody knows that. The players and, and management know that better than anybody. Um, it, it's just, look, you know, we've, we've all been in that situation at least once or twice in our careers and you really can't understand as a collective, how it happened. I mean, yeah, look at uh, you. You do, you do, you do take these teams for granted sometimes. You know, let's not let's not cut ourselves. You you may pay lip service to it, but I suppose like if I had been maybe Antrim, you'd say yeah, well, because they haven't beaten us. But like we should have been wise to Westmead that you know last year they they caught us on the hop. 
Now, the only thing I'll say is Westmead have been going absolutely terribly as well this year. And there was no signs that they were capable of doing that. So maybe, to be fair to the players that, you know, 17 points up, that have been beaten very, very comprehensively in all their games, that where was this going to come from? But look, you have to find a way when they get back to six or seven points. You know, somebody has to start letting a few roars and, you know, hit the fella beside you and tell him, you know, let a few, you know, choice words out because you have to do something. Something has to change um, when things are getting tight. And it's hard enough when you when you collectively lose the lose your direction and lose your 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 kind of zip. But um, you know, that's against the better teams. You should still be able to do that against Westmead. Um we we just didn't find a way and like the consequences could have been dire. Um and look at I, I you know Coming out, of course, yesterday, there was a massive sense of relief, you know, real, real elation on, on people um, that we didn't go down because, look, Antrim did do the business and we were down if we hadn't won. So there was massive relief and, you know, there was tears, there was all sorts of um, emotions. But, you know, I'm very disappointed that we weren't playing Kilkenny to get into a Leinster final. You know, I believe that we were good enough to beat Dublin. We should have beaten Dublin. And obviously, I'm very, very convinced we should have beaten Westmead. We didn't. That's the truth. But that's that's the the frustrating thing that that match should have been to see who was going to go through to the Leinster final, not for us to see could we stay up into into Lee McCarthy hurling. If there was a if there was a case when you were playing Declan or someone needed someone needed a shot or you know a few choice words, were you were you the man who threw out the choice words? Depends if, I was play- depends if I was playing well. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it all depends on. <laughs> you, can't, you can't say anything if you're not playing well or you can be told to shut up and start playing well. Um, which, look, I suppose, you know, generally if you're down the centre, you, you're, you're kind of, you can get to a few lads easier than maybe if you're corner back. You know, everyone else is away from you. So I, I kind of firmly believe that the, the spine of the team should be vocal or at least they should try and be vocal at times because they can reach a greater audience uh, during the game. But yeah, look, I mean, there was plenty of leaders at the times, but look, we, we had some awful days too. Like Cork absolutely whipped us in the 2004 all semi final. absolutely devoured us. And, and you know, we were we were spineless and rudderless and, you know, every bit as bad that day. And sure, look, you, you know, you can't hide away and forget about those days. And uh, no matter what we said that day, it didn't work, you know. So, but look, I suppose that's uh, that, that's... I wouldn't say it was bonus territory, but it's a different thing than yesterday and and, and the Westmead match. Look, I, I'm sure the lads knew the consequences of losing to Westmead. So you'd be kind of thinking that, you know, obviously they, they wanted to, but it's just when you get into that rut and, 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 the, and, and you know, the ground starts closing in and it's very, very hard. It's, I suppose the key is not to get into that situation, isn't it? I think one of the most mystifying things, Declan, and whatever about giving a lad a shot, is that someone just didn't go down and kill it for 30 seconds. Do you know what I mean? It's not like, I, I, like how many times is, does Nicky Quaid lose a contact lens when Limerick are struggling? Do you know what I mean? It happened when they were playing against Tipperary. Tipperary, Brian O'Mara went down in the second half uh, when Limerick were after getting a run and looked like it might go away from them. It happens in nearly every game. Like, I'm not saying you might have got, been involved in a big show, you know, a big collision or something like that. You might be okay, but your team might need to calm things down. You might need to get a message across. I think that's even more so. It's just when the wheels started turning against Westmead, no one did anything to stop it. Like, you know what I mean? Just even little small things that are, I don't think they're even gamesmanship. I just think it's a bit of cuteness, really. And that was really disappointing that once that wheel started moving, 
Wexford allowed it to keep moving and build up a head of steam. And once it built up a head of steam, they couldn't stop it. And it was almost like you could just see it. It was like a self-fulfilling prophecy at the end. You could just see they were thinking the goals were going to come nearly because the whole thing, the, the, pardon my words, the arse had fallen out of uh, Wexford and Westmead had everything going for them. Um, but just a couple of small things probably would have been able to stem the tide maybe. Or maybe they wouldn't, but at least probably potentially try something like that, you know? Did Dio Keefe do that? Yesterday, I think Kilkenny's fourth goal. I think he was down for a minute or two afterwards. There you yeah. go. Yeah, yeah, no, I looked at and then that's where it was kind of hard to understand why he wasn't on because look, he's, he's very experienced and uh, you know, he's he's one of those honest players that referees would believe there's something wrong with him, a bit like Nicky Quaid, you know. <laughs> yeah, 100%. You're dead right. There are certain type of players that, that referees will definitely believe. Whereas if Cottle Barrett goes down, referees are telling him to get up straight away, funnily <laughs> enough, rightly or, rightly or wrongly. Yeah, yeah. Boyle cried wolf. So, yeah, look, that's that's where having these guys on the field, like they're, I, I, look, there's, there's not just me, there's a good few people can't understand why the likes of himself and Kevin Foley weren't on, you know, like, I don't think, you know, they were hurling well. Kevin hurled well against Dublin, then didn't start, didn't feature against Westmead. You know, you just can't understand D, like, for the amount of time he was on, sure, he, he couldn't do anything against Westmead and didn't start and play against Dublin, didn't come on when we really needed him as well. So, like, they're the types of decisions, like, you know, when you're inside, inside the, the, the camp, I'm sure there's reasons for them, but then, you know, not known as much as they do from, from the outside in, it's, it's a baffling decision. Now, I think most people are going to expect that Dara Egan doesn't end up there for the third year. Uh, what are your thoughts on that, Declan? Well, look, I suppose you hear a lot of chatter, all right. Um, I mean, I'm, as I say, I, I, I'm sure there's going to be, whenever they get to us, like uh, I'm sure it wasn't yesterday or maybe today, I don't know how long they'll take to, to start assessing things, but Look, all, all I know is there's going to be a lot of serious um, introspection and, and kind of just assessing the last two years and, and this year particularly. And um, they'll all have to sit down as a management team with the county board and or maybe the management team first and decide, right, can we go again? Have we something to offer? And if they do, then are they wanted? I mean, that's that's obviously for uh, for the powers that be. Look, it wouldn't be fair for me to comment on it. It's, uh, I, I just look, it's it's a tough job. I know that for 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 absolute certain. It's a it's a very very tough job. And um, look, he seems like a a really honest, uh, nice guy. And um, but yeah, look, there was some things that there this year, and I just you know a lot of people would find, and and there only might be maybe um, a small decisions or a few decisions, but they're they're still baffling. And you would think that they would have um, added to Wexford's uh, performance levels and. Uh, so look, they'll, I'm sure they'll, they'll show all their cards on the table and have a good chat because uh, they'll be, they'll be baffled and they'll be they'll be they'll be obviously relieved, but um, they'll have to think about next year and if, if they feel they can offer something to extra hurling, and that's the big question for them. Listening to him on news talk yesterday, it sounded like he wants to he wants to continue anyway. I'm wondering, like, how much of it is luck or, or lack of luck? And obviously, this is a biased opinion, but but hear me out. Like um, last year, we look at the Galway game. We're definitely lucky to draw that, especially with the the free getting overturned at the end. Uh, I thought we were very unlucky against Dublin last year. I thought we were the better team and ended up losing by a point. Um, then there was the West Westmead game, a bucket load of wides. Again, it's kind of 
didn't see it coming and then next like that that result alone ended up costing us a spot in the Leinster final after we went and bet Kilkenny flying against Clare for, for a long time we lost Rory O'Connor or dogged with a penalty call as has been mentioned and then essentially we ran out of steam I forget about this year's league but then deservedly beaten by Galway but we lost our captain and vice captain just before a throw in which didn't help things again we had a penalty miss in it uh, I thought again we were better than Dublin this year another penalty miss a crazy amount of wides and some really poor wides and then there's, there's no explaining the Westmead result uh, especially after being 16 points up but like our, our missed penalties are they because they're not practiced enough our, our wides because they're not there's not enough of a focus on shooting our, our injuries and running out of steam is that an issue with strength and conditioning or a game plan that's been that's asking too much of the players like is, is there much luck involved or is it like you, you make your own luck in these situations? Yeah, um, there's, there's a lot to cover there. There's a lot there. Yeah. <laughs> the, last, the last two years, like in, in one. <laughs> I got five minutes or five hours. Um, yeah, look, there, there's definitely, you can see the league this year. And, and to be fair, if you want to go back to the Clare game, never mind the games before, maybe, you know, the, the Dublin match particularly, yeah, we were lucky against Galway, but we should have beaten Dublin again last year. And uh, look, the Westmead match, just again, we shouldn't have been in the situation where we were drawing that match. You know, responded really well. Like, you know, Dio clips back into the pocket. We start hurling very comfortably. You know, and that's that's just something I just believe that the players were comfortable with. They obviously were in last chance alone. And they went out and they started, you know, players were in the right place. The system was right, suits them. And they went off and hurled. And you saw the result to beat Kenny up Nolan Park for the first time in ever or you know centuries or long time like this year um you know injuries in the league yeah look they were they were massive but you know maybe the system was was not helping when you're down those players um you know you look at the clear match and you know we were trying to run the ball out from the 21 running into a wall of bodies getting overturned you know like that's you know, that's just over and over again yeah you keep doing it and, and like you have to change that up like it you know, you get two or three goals down. Okay, you have to just shore up and uh, try something different because, like, it was obvious that they were standing off and we just kept running into them. Like, so that they're the sort of things that you really have to look at and say, right, you know, you have to have your plan A, B, and C. If plan A is not working, B, and then C, and maybe even D. Um, but you have to try it. And then more, maybe it was a criticism of Davy, I suppose, in his time that he had so much right, but there was just that lack of if you're four down with, you know, 10 to go, like, just. Then, then's the time maybe to throw up your sweeper or get rid of him and throw on somebody else. But we kind of saw it out to the bitter end. And, you know, probably that bitter end was a four or five point defeat in some of those quarterfinals. So, you know, maybe a little bit of lack of, lack of flexibility or, you know, maybe being happy with, with our loss uh, four or five. And that shouldn't be either. Like, you, you, you want to win every game and uh, you might as well lose by 10 going for it. At least, you know, you went for it and, you know, losing by four or five, um, but not really going for it, hoping more so. So um, I, you know, we're 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 just in the same boat this year as last year in terms of certain different systems. You know, I wasn't quite sure of maybe the patterns of play at times, and you know, when it worked, it really, really worked. But then maybe the next day, it didn't seem to be employed as well or something. You know, I just couldn't put my finger on them. Look, I'm sure management <laughs> scratching their heads as well after yesterday, saying, "How can we do that?" And not not another day, I suppose. So that's a that's a collective um, you'd have to you'd have to look at. We did go back yesterday to a lot more, we played a lot more direct. 
you know, long balls into Chin and Conor McDonald and Jack O'Connor was in there a bit. But we also played a sweeper. You know, like a lot of people saying, oh, we went back to the Wexford play, strong down the middle. But we did essentially play the sweeper. Or in the pocket. Is that what you call it now, Declan? Man in the pocket. <laughs> it depends where he's, depends how he's playing, what you call him. <laughs> um, I, look, I, I, you can't do the one thing over and over, or else they're going, to make, they're going to work you out. And like, if you if you go back to the Clare game, we did it over and over, and we were worked out. And sure, look, you saw the result. So you have to have a different, like, you have to, you have to mix it up, basically, is what I'm saying. And yeah, I was delighted to see Lee and, and uh, Connor in there. And, you know, but we didn't hit every ball in. Yes, we hit far more balls in than we've hit in, in, in many a year. And that was great. But we still worked the ball through the lines at times and tried to bring Kilkenny out of their shell. So but if we were to hit every ball along the spare sweeper, we wouldn't have left the two boys' uh, toes. And we, we wouldn't have got as much change. But, you know, we worked the ball through the lines at times and they had to come out and meet us. Got a few shots off from distance. So you kept them guessing. And, you know, it was, it was a really nice mix to play after we settled down, of course, after 15 minutes when we were, you know, there was a lot of nerves and a couple of new personnel in there, I suppose, like that were kind of new with the two wing backs. Um, you know, it's kind of a baptismal fire nearly for them, um, even though they're, they're, they're around a while. But that look, that is that as a baptismal fire in that type of uh, cauldron. So there was a few things that we had to settle down, to be fair, to, to, to Wexford and, you know, as I said, the penalty was massive, but you could just you just liked the way they went about it yesterday. And there was more of a, a mix of play with players playing in their best positions after a while. And the results was we were there and thereabouts all the way to the end and came out the right side of it. Just on your point, Ben, you can play a sweeper and still play quite aggressively. Do you know what I mean? Waterford played a sweeper in their first three games this year at Munster. And they played no one inside a lot of the time. I was down in Turles yesterday. Billy Nolan played sweeper, their regular keeper. And they always had two men inside the whole time. Daisy Hutchinson was hugging the end line at different stages. He got a goal because he was sniffing in around the square. It's the same at Wexford yesterday. They may have been playing a sweeper and, you know, to try and you know be a bit more steady and solid at the back. And, and maybe make sure that, you know, if um, if Kilkenny went with that long direct ball like Westmead did, that Dio Keefe would be there to pick it up. But they still had an attacking threat. They still had four or five forwards up. Well, definitely three or four up the whole time. And it's just a pity that it's taken, you know, that game and, you know, to save their season and save their Leinster status to maybe fall upon the mix that they needed. Because it's kind of too late now. I, I'd be... You know, I would have chatted Darry Egan up and down a good bit. He's he's not a million miles away from where I'm based, where I'm from in Bor. He'd be over in uh, Kiladang in there. It wouldn't be a million miles away. Like an unbelievably good coach, very well respected. Like he turned his own club inside out. He would be one of the the people that would be credited with their county success a couple of years ago, coming from basically setting, putting the structures in place to get a junior club up to eventually win a senior county title. Um, my sense of it would be. I th- I don't think he'll be there next year. That's just my own personal opinion because there's probably a couple of factors coming in. There was so much pressure on that game. I think I think he's kind of saved himself in a way as well by you know that performance kind of just saved the season to some extent. And you know at least his two year reign, if it does end, you know Wexford haven't gone down the darkest of roads or anything like that. There's still a good side that can compete with the best teams or whatever. The, the only question I would ask is, you know, is there a ready-made replacement if he were to step aside? 
Um, and that's another question completely. Like I heard people calling for, say, Keith Rossler to take the senior job, which is I know if I was a Wexford person, I'd want him to stay working with underage for another couple of years and make sure that you get another 20 team and another 20 team and another 20 team. That would be my personal opinion. A lot of time in counties, when the senior team isn't going as well as we think it should be, we go and take all the best lads at underage and put them with the senior team. And then the underage then the underage suffers and it's kind of a vicious kind of a cycle. Um, Tom Mullally is another fella that would definitely be in the mix, I think, if um, if you were looking because, you know, he got his, his club record is unbelievable between Glen Moore and Mount Leinster Rangers, uh, Nace and a couple more and he got his big success with Ricardo the other day. Whether he'd be able to poach him away is another story. So I suppose a lot of the time is, you know, if you're saying, oh, someone should go or they shouldn't be there next year, what's the replacement like? Is there, you know, is the setup that you can put in place as good as what's there? I know Niall Corcoran, personally enough, again, brilliant coach. Willie Cleary is unbelievably well well got by all accounts too. So, like, can you put a better um, package in place? Um, and probably it would probably have to be somewhat homegrown, I would imagine. That's probably the big question as well. And, like, what, what you're saying there, is that someone, like, you'd say that maybe won a senior club in the last few years and won an All-Ireland with Wexford and... (laughs) 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 Is that someone that you might be talking about? He's currently with the under Drapery's under sevens, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Listen, he's in the mix. I don't think he's a million miles away at the moment either. (laughs) Sorry, the reception just broke there. I didn't get any of that. (laughs) Uh, we, we we won't we won't we won't interview you for a job that that someone's in at the moment anyway. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I would think you're you're kind of right in your your thoughts there, Michael. Like Dara is Dara was thirty five when he got the job. You know how experienced can you be as a manager at thirty five? Pete only told us last week how he's only learning and growing. He's still young as a as a manager. Like so, if it does change, it should be. Someone a little more experienced. Like Liam Dunn, when he got the job, he's, he was only in a manager of Owlert for a couple of years, I think. He wasn't very experienced as a manager. Well, there's one, there's one thing for sure. It's, it's, a, it's an awful demanding job. And like you want to have time in your hands. Like you're, you're looking at, I don't know, 50 hours, give or take, um, to do it and to do it right. You know, it's, there's an awful lot that um, I'm sure those lads are putting into it, and I suppose that's why I'm sure they were very, very disappointed with how the, how the year panned out. And then you have to consider, you know, whether we go back and look at that'll be that that's something that they're really going to have to sit down and, and chat through this year, this this week or next week. But yeah, looking back to Michael's point, um, you, you can't get rid of somebody if you've nobody else to go in there, and because the job is so demanding, um, and and there's look a lot of pressure. The, the level of um, candidates out there are scarce and geographically where we are so homegrown yeah probably scarce uh, geographically you know you're only going to limit yourself to maybe a certain distance and that's another factor which was it was a factor back in my day as well when there was a couple of lads asked and and, and just couldn't commit to the journey time I don't know how Davey did it but look that's I suppose he maybe his job allowed him to kind of that was his job you know Um so there's a lot, a lot of moving parts um, if you're considering. But look, as I said, we're, we're discussing something that's uh, hypothetical at the moment and um, maybe it's for another day. But uh, 
yeah, it's not not as easy as say, yeah, she look and move them on and get somebody else in. It, you know, they have to be there. They have to be the right men as well. And the mood of the players, lads, and what the players, the conversations that that Dara has with the players will tell will tell a lot. You know, I know Lee spoke very strong from um on the Sunday game last night. Um, and he's obviously the main man within the setup. Maybe as captain, maybe you'd expect him to speak like that anyway. But um there'll be conversations had over over the over the next while and it'll be interesting, very interesting to see how it plays out. Yeah, no, Lee, Lee did speak highly and like I suppose I was just I, I was I was delighted for him as well as Wexford. But it, again, another thing when you look at the Wexford team, and there's a lot of those players that are close enough to my own age, which is uh it's getting on in inter county hurling standards. Um and I wonder is that another part a part of it? What players like they a lot of them did themselves proud yesterday, um and a lot of them did not want to be have have one of their last years, if not their last year, getting Wexford, having Wexford go down to the John McDonough. So, like, but it could be some of their, some of them might be thinking about moving on at this stage. And is that going to be a, a big factor for if Dara's going to stay on, if he'd be asked to stay on, or who will be coming in? Just can I just say something as well on, on Dara as well? Like, how many new faces have been blooded in the last two years? Yeah. Like, a crazy amount of lads got debuts. One of the criticisms that would have been thrown at Davy would have been that it was the same faces over and over again. I could nearly tell you who was going to come on. I could nearly tell you that Harry Kyo, Aidan Nolan, and a couple more were going to come on in most games. It was generally the same faces over and over again. Whereas, like, off the top of my head, I'm thinking... Uh, uh, Corey Dur- uh, Byrne Dunbar, uh, Carl Dunbar is reinvented out out the field. Even another another player, uh, Ross Banville got game time. Connor Hearn, Connor Devitt, uh, Charlie McGuckin, like uh, among another probably ten names. So he probably took he probably blooded. I'd say more players than any Wexford manager nearly has. And if you're thinking about whether he would be there next year or not, I'd say that would definitely be something that's in the profit column for him, that he has given those lads their, uh, he's blooded them and that they're only going to get better and better with ex- with experience. That that yeah. would be definitely something that's in the plus column for him. And it was certainly needed as well. Yeah, look, he, he certainly he certainly has tried an awful lot and they'll be better for it. Like all those lads that we talked about there that played yesterday and throughout the championship, um, they'll be better for it. Um, you know, so, you know, players... Players will grow if, if you know, they, they have a system that they're comfortable with. And I suppose that's that's the frustrating thing looking in that, like, the way they played yesterday and the system they employed suited the team. And, you know, then it allows those couple of debutants or newcomers, let's say, to fit into it because everyone starts to believe and everyone is motoring. It's easier to slip into a team that's hurling well than try to, you know, like declare a match where, you, you know, you're, the system is all wrong. The way the way you're going about is all wrong, and everyone looks bad. And you know, geez, the the new lad in there, he doesn't know whether he's coming or going. Yesterday it was totally different. They they grew into the game. Everyone around them, they could feel that you know the likes of Dio and Lee, Shane, and all these boys were on fire and they're trying hard. They they believed in what they were at. All of a sudden, then you know the momentum, and momentum is is powerful in this uh, kind of group championship, whatever you you know this uh, system that's going on at the moment. So that that they're they're the frustrating things that you look back and say, yeah, look, we we why didn't we do it a little bit earlier? And um, because you can still you can throw in a few lads, new lads then, and they'll they'll, they'll swim, you know, they will swim if they if they're playing to how they want to play and how they believe they're going to play. And speak about momentum. Did the crowd have a big influence? Do you think yesterday with just under ten thousand turning up in in Wexford's time of need? 
So much so that so much of a crowd that you know the the game had to be delayed. Yeah, so there there, there was there was queues from the Isle Gate roundabout. <laughs> Lads, someone said that to me there this morning uh, on the Isle Game podcast. They said there was a queue in Isle Gate. You could be driving through at, at half eleven on a Tuesday morning, and there'd be a queue in Isle Gate. <laughs> I've well, never seen a greater, bo- a greater bottleneck in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> we have to edit that bit out now, Michael. <laughs> all the oil gate people are coming for you. <laughs> no, I, I always see MJ Rec, and there's a lovely chipper there on the right-hand side as you're driving in. Uh, that's always that's always happening in fairness. But there's always traffic there. That's it. <laughs> you don't need to be 10,000 people going to Extra Park for there to be traffic in there. We'll always have that one to use. You should never bypass oil gate because we need to have that as in our locker whenever we need it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so then, Michael, are you also on uh, on Joe Canning's conspiracy of uh, of Wexford coming out late? After half time, you seem to want no, to make I, a point of it on the Sunday game. No, I actually didn't see that. I only watched the highlights back. I, I don't tend to watch the punditry, I just tend to look at the matches. No, I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't actually get that point. Do you see that, Skippy? Uh, I was kind of half asleep now last night watching, uh, <laughs> watching it. So I, I can't say I was listening to intently either, but should look at the I mean. They have to be saying something, don't they? Um, well, I, I thought there was plenty of good things to say, but for some reason he pointed, there was a, a timer on the screen and it was reading 18 minutes as the Wexford lads were taking their positions and the referee was blowing in the ball and he was making the point that there was gamesmanship going on, that Wexford coming out so late, maybe you know an extra three minutes on top of the 10 that the match was put back. Well, sure, look, at you do whatever you have to and uh, look, I wouldn't take any notice of what, what, what's been said on that one. Yeah. It's say if Joe found himself in that situation with Golden now to try everything and anything as well. So like dis- disregard those comments. Wexford did what they had to do. And uh, if that was part of it, if it was gamesmanship, I'd say fair play to him. Yeah. It's I, funny I did- because um I, I heard that one of the biggest talking points of the Cork and Limerick game, one of the best games we've seen in a long time, was the refereeing and a focus on a load of decisions. Um and particularly some decisions that Limerick that Limerick got in their favour, whereas Free count was so skewed in Cork's favour. Like I just, I, I don't know. I, I think, I think we're focusing on a lot of the wrong things in games. Like I, I wouldn't have been focused on the referee. That wasn't the first thing that came to my head. It wasn't the second, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth thing that came to my head after that watching that game yesterday. I have to say, I think, I think as as Declan said there, I think they're looking for things or they're looking for angles sometimes. But yeah, I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have seen that in the the Cork and Limerick game. And if they were eighteen minutes, or Davy was about twenty five minutes in the dressing room when when Waterford played Clare. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't see a timer coming out for that. Those two lads, there's two lads in there, supposed to do analyze like six games that were basically on at the same time, having the hope like unless they have a, a different person helping them. Like, I should have the standard. Of- Standard of uh, Sunday game punditry went down there about a decade ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> good man, good man, good man. <laughs> yeah, that's right, Skippy. I, I did look it up now, and the the punishment for being out late is eighty euro for every minute you're out late. So you know, if Wexford, if it was gamesmanship, and we have to pay our two hundred and forty euro, look, I'm sure, I'm sure, Michal Martin and Cole will be okay with it. Get two euro off everyone. Go back to Wildgate yeah. on the way home. <laughs> A tall and I get. Canning was saying last night now that uh, okay, Kenny missed a lot of chances. They had wides at the end. A lot of conspiracy yeah. theory. 
And I, I, lo- I went down to, t- I was thinking, just we missed a good bit. And I looked, checked the wide counters. But then, so Kenny had five wides in the whole game. And we had 11. So I'm not sure how he came up with that as a talking point. So you see, this is the thing you don't, you don't understand. Is he trying to play mind games in advance of the Leinster final? Is he on, you know, is he trying to sort of build Kenny up or drag him down? You just don't know. Uh, look, again, if you're in that situation and you could maybe give your own county advantage, you don't, you'd have to ask Joe what he's doing, but look, to be focusing on that when they only had five wides, yeah, they missed a couple of chances. But, like, that's pressure. That's the way, to be fair, to Wexford's backs. They were absolutely hammering into him. They were flying into diving blocks. They were throwing their bodies on the line. And, uh, like, that side where there was misses, that's <laughs> it's very, very difficult to shoot. And anybody knows Wexford Park, that that 45-yard line under the stand is a graveyard for shots. <laughs> I'd nearly be telling any players not to shoot from there because <laughs> there's something about there. Um, there's a far greater miss rate from that particular spot and two other wides were from there. And it's no coincidence because I've seen it down through the years. But um, look, it's it's five, five wides in, in, in 70 minutes hurling. Like, <laughs> I, wouldn't be, I wouldn't be picking that point. Mm. Now, one thing I didn't like from... Uh, it was a great crowd and it was a great atmosphere at the game. But one thing I didn't like and it was something similar that I didn't like actually from the Offaly fans in the under 20. They were all booing Keane Byrne as a free taker. TJ Reid had a free towards the end and the Wexford crowd were booing him. They weren't booing every free, but they booed that free and I particularly didn't like that. I think that needs to be stamped out of the game now. No need for it at all. Yeah, look, I agree, but I, I, I think the crowd were livid that it wasn't a free, more so. I think they were, they were fairly, because I thought one of the Wexford players he actually dived in and he flicked it and he act, the ball moved. I think it was Jack O'Connor. The ball moves forward towards the, the, the Kenny goal. And then there was the clash of the hurls, of course. And should, like it's nearly gone to the stage now. If there's a clash of hurls at all, it's a free. But I think they were actually just disappointed that that was a free because nobody in the ground thought it was. But look, yeah, you kind of, you have to stop booing, I suppose, when, when the free has been taken. Let's, let's just call it that. In fairness to Ben, Ben was there. Lads, don't be booing them. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of uh, of uh, the Wexford backs throwing themselves in and the diving blocks, like Connor Foley had a massive diving block at one stage. I can't remember who actually had had the shot from Kilkenny, but uh, I just had to mention that because it was heroic stuff and at such an important time as well. Yeah, brilliant block, brilliant, yeah. And then, and can we can we talk about Kevin Foley's flick for for Mogi's second goal? Is that something that you were Savage. teaching them? <laughs> I, I certainly wouldn't. <laughs> My mantra is a bit: keep it simple, <laughs> get the ball in the <laughs> hand, and none of your fancy stuff. Leave that for the training ground. But I suppose he, he has those in his locker, and he's an instinctive player. And like he was, to be fair, nothing probably could do in that situation because he he was going away from the ball, and the ball was going away from him, and. But look, to, to carry it out and to, and to execute it was just, yeah, I know somebody said sure, if it happened in Munster Hurland, there'd be massive talk about it. If it was uh, <laughs> Key and Lynch or one of those lads, they'd be, they'd be kind of eulogising for the week about it. It was just a brilliant, brilliant piece of play. And sure, look, we got a goal off it and that was even better. Can I just say one of the reasons they would be eulogising about something like that is because they would have been able to see it. The fact that that game wasn't on RTE yesterday, lads, was uh, absolute madness. And whatever about it not being on RTE, the fact that you couldn't at least pay a few quid to watch it on GA go, like that was 
the game yesterday. That was the Leinster game. It was either that or Mullingar. And Galway and Dublin, with due respect and whatever, it could have affected who was in the Leinster final or whatever. But Wexford and Kilkenny, they just bring drama nearly every time they played in the last five or six years. And there was so much on the line with Wexford trying to stay up and everything around it. I just it was it was absolute madness that that game wasn't on terrestrial television, or at least GA go. I, I cannot get my head around it. What was GA go set up for? Matches like that. <laughs> we, we got a me- we got a message from a fellow the other day wondering about it. And he said the whole idea of GA go was it was set up for expats expats to watch the matches, and now it's not on. One the, one of the biggest games of the weekend. I, I actually I can't get my head around. I, I've I've had big issues. I've been abroad long enough as well with no matches available on GA Go or just a limited number of matches. I actually thought with the change in the TV deal that was happening this year that it was going to be addressed. And that's, especially when I actually heard that GA Go are being the second partner, I was like, oh, well, happy days! They're going to have all the games. Like, I think am I right in saying all the the Joe McDonough games were on Clubber this year? I mean, not. Yeah, I think nearly all uh, the but vast the, majority of them. Anyway, yeah, yeah, and and all or the majority of Wexford Club Championship games are available to watch as well. How in the name of God can the senior Leinster and Munster Championships not have video and they actually have the cameras at the games as well? I, I of all the days, Gary, as well. It. Of all the of days. All the like, days. You, you know what I mean? And they had like. I think they had basic enough cameras there now yesterday based on what was in the Sunday game. But even like, even if they char- if it was on Diego and they charge half what they'd normally charge because the service isn't up to the normal standard, but you're still able to see what's going on. Like, yeah, if they allowed Wexford GAA do it, if they're not going to do it themselves, yeah. allow Wexford GAA put on a like, great production, great commentary, great analysis. Like, if you're not going to do it yourselves, allow someone else to do it. Yeah, even if you sold it to Wexford GAA, they can, they can charge for it or something. I just, I, it annoys me now. Yeah, the crowd, the crowd were going to be there. The crowd were going to be, you know, the crowd that was down in Limerick and Cork were going to be there anyhow, you know. So the crowds are, like, what we've seen from the Wexford GA TV in over the last couple of years is, like, the crowds are still going and the fact that it's on TV um, or it's, it's, you're able to view it um, to pay for it doesn't affect them. So they have to get over that. And, and I think, look, at they, they need to start marketing it better. Like, there's very little advertising. You hear nothing all week on the national radios or you know, television about, you know, Munster Hurling Championship, Leinster Hurling Championship, whatever it is, building them up. Like, God, all the other sports, like, you'd be blue in the face listening to adverts for them. Like, this is where we're falling down. And then not to be able to show it and see it. Like, like there's many people that are just can't get to games. You know, they cannot get to games and have no choice only to listen to, you know, whatever, Southeast Radio, great, but people want to see the games. Yeah. You know, and it's, yeah. it's like, it's a national outcry in terms of, like not just we what we couldn't watch that yesterday, but all the other games that haven't been shown, like Munster Championship, there's loads of games that, that weren't shown. You're dead right, that's what is the point of Diego if it's not to show games? Yeah, RT can't have every game on, we understand, but that's what Diego is. Or let it out to other people, let them show the game. I mean, they'll have to think about it next year, but they're after missing a substantial amount of superb games, superb opportunity to market the game, to promote it. We're shortening in the season. And then we're missing opportunities. So, like, they're really shooting themselves in the foot all, all ends up. And yeah, and, and it's not just, like, it's not just from my our perspective, Wexford or something. Westmead haven't had one game that's been viewable 
in their complete championship and they're trying to build the game in Westmead. Now they're, they're after getting relegated, but like they're trying to build an interest in it. Not one game were they able to watch on GA Go or on free terrestrial TV. I think Antrim only had one game. Like it's, I don't think it's good enough from their perspective for them either. No, very hard to grow the game in that respect, as you said. Like, isn't it really? Like, I imagine Carlo got a good bounce from the McDonough final been on the other night, uh, live on RTE. Um, and even as you say, uh, Gary, the fact that you could watch the games on Clubber, if you really, you know, if you really wanted to, the, the service was there. It was just, yeah, I, I just couldn't get my head around. They made, they made, uh, they made a very, very poor decision by not having Wexford and Kilkenny as the main game. And li- listen, I. The one thing I'd say about, about RT, at least they had some updates for people that were watching the Dublin Galway game that flicked to a goal in Wexford Park or whatever, which was, you know, that was good, I suppose, if Dublin and Galway was the game you wanted to watch. But, you know, if the cameras were there, could it not have been on RT uh, News Now or could it not have been on whatever? Could it not have been more options for people to watch whatever game you wanted to watch? And wouldn't it have been great if, like, I'm sitting here with a telly in front of me and looking at my phone, and I sometimes you'd have the laptop here. Wouldn't it be an unbelievable position if you're like looking between the three of them? Because that's the sort of day it was. You know yeah. what I mean? So if you had that kind of option, I'm not saying every game has to be televised. Uh, and particularly there's some games that in, within Leinster that probably were not worth being televised. That's called a spade a spade. But this was the final day, all the drama. Nobody knew what was going to happen. And I just think they missed the trick big time. If you watched that game in Wexford Park yesterday on the telly, you would have, and seeing the crowd go out afterwards, you would have been thinking, God, I wish I was there. Like, I would have been absolutely raging if I wasn't there and, and then seeing it. Whereas, if you don't see it, so you don't know you're missing out, like, you know. So, I think if they, if they show the big games on, people are more likely to actually want to go. So, it's not going to help it that way, like, yeah. And so it's, all, it's all about the future, you have to keep regenerating. And so look, we all, you know, anyone that has kids. It's a it's a constant battle with the with the televised sports and and the, the the amount that they get the amount of visuals that are thrown in front of them and look at if I ask one more time is uh, Mo Salah better than in Marcus Rashford you know <laughs> because it's all to see and I, and I don't care I don't care who better but like that's that's the battle neither the midlast Billy Burns boots <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> I, I'll remember that the next time, Michael. I'll throw that back at him. You see Billy Byrne catching the ball and sticking in the net. But that, that's that. Like, and we're, we're as I said, look, we we've, we've already said we're missing opportunities. And um, the kids are very impressionable. And uh, look at let's not forget about the generation of people that you know physically can't get to matches and or for whatever reasons they can't be there. Like they should be they should be showed. And look at if they really learn one lesson from the, from this year is that they have to fix that for next year. Absolutely. Well, now, like, at least there is the Liam Spratt, Billy Byrne, and Tom Dempsey on Saudi Australia. And I believe Tom Dempsey couldn't even talk after the game. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be first. <laughs> I know we we shipped. Uh, it was a great game, but we did ship five goals. Now, was that just the nature of the game, or were we a bit too open at the back for your liking, Declan? Yeah, well, look, I suppose the first 15 minutes we were we were a little bit at sea, you know, and again, like, I, I keep coming back to the point that um, you're, you're back to a more comfortable system, but like you're still you're still not playing the system on a really regular basis to tighten up and that people know that people know people's movements and they could, you know, you know, the lab beside you, what way he's going to attack the ball and that you have to maybe go in this way or that way. 
So there was a little bit of that, a little bit of unknown. And then you throw in the two, the two wing backs who were kind of, you know, very new to this championship hurling. And so the, it took a while. And obviously we talked about the pressure and the, and the, and the, the ramifications. So there's a lot of things going on. And for that 15 minutes, we were very, very open. And look, they got through far too easy. Let's just call a spade a spade. But look, they got, they got through another, another few times as well. Um, maybe a little bit of overcommitting. But, you know, there was still massive pressure at the time. I think, look, we had a chance to go nine points up. Um, I think Conor Mack had a ground shot. And look, I, I thought at the time that was a great chance to put us nine up. They went down straight away and, and brought it back to uh, three points. So... Could have been a nine-point game. All of a sudden, it was a three-point game, and that like that that just tightens up the pressure on everybody. And all of a sudden, Kilkenny are on a high, and we're looking up the scoreboard and looking at the clock. And you know, so there are big moments in the game that um, you know you really have to take advantage of. And the the consequences are that like Kilkenny are always dangerous, but le- we shouldn't be conceding five. Um, we really shouldn't. But you know, they played remarkably well, I suppose, and it was one of those games. And Sometimes those games are going on in Munster as well as here. Like they're just really, really high scoring games. And this kind of like, yeah, we get a score, you get a score. The maybe defending is a little bit looser than it used to be. You know, but I suppose the games are fairly entertaining. You have to say that. Yeah. Tom Field and Owen Cody had no interest in going easy on Wexford anyway yesterday. But uh, is that what Leinster Hurling needs to do, Michael? Is uh, be a bit more open at the back and a few more scores like Munster? Forget uh, about maybe. Well, uh, I don't know. I'd I'd still prefer a one seventeen to one sixteen. Like like that. I love seeing good defending. I have to say, high scoring games are great. Like I remember, what year was it? Um, was it all five that uh, Galway hit Kilkenny for five goals, five eighteen to four eighteen. What's it? Everyone was raving. Nile Brilliant. Nile Brilliant. Healy, yeah, Niall Healy got the hat trick. Yeah, and Cork beat. Claire, I'm going to say it was 16 points to 15 in the other semi-final. And I would have taken the other semi-final every day of the week. Just it was real teak tough defending in it. Lads like Declan not letting anyone down through the down through the middle of the defence. Um, I, lo- I still love seeing really, really good defending. It's getting harder and harder, though. It's getting harder and harder to defend. It's getting harder and harder to tackle in the modern game, realistically. Um, so that's probably why we're seeing more kind of open games but I think there's a there's a balance to the two there's a balance to the real high score and stuff and that kind of real tight defensive hard kind of hurling somewhere in between is probably perfect for me I don't like to see too many scores but obviously you want to see a fair few as well but I wouldn't like to see too many somewhere in between is probably the perfect balance for me but as regards marketing a product like you could hang your hat on on Wexford and Kilkenny in, in Wexford Park yesterday, um, for the entertainment value it gave everybody there, and the entertainment value it should have given probably a couple of hundred thousand people if it had been on RTE. It's kind of the it's it's the the, the balance of power is swung towards uh, attacking players if you're willing to to take on the player because you know the way the sort of modern refereeing is going, you know, if you go around a fella at all, there's a hand put on you as you're going around. It's it's a free if it's anywhere close to your shoulder a hurl in it's a free and um, you're able to take probably anywhere from five to six seven eight steps in the process of going around without being pulled up generally so you know if you take all those things into consideration forwards know that and it, obviously you can't scalp a fella anymore so all things are leading to the attackers and you can see that they're they're taking on their men knowing that they're going to be protected at least if I don't get around the fella I might get a free. So that's making it really hard. You're right, the art of defending, it's, it's, uh, it's getting harder. Yeah, look, it's, 
you'd rather it be a little bit better. I'm sure um, I'm sure we, we all wanted Wexford to defend even better than they did yesterday because the heart couldn't take too much more. <laughs> now, if a lad puts if a lad puts his hurl around an atta- attacker, the attacker, or not even the attacker, the fella's grabbing the hurl and they pretend he's been held back. England. Well, it's happened to, I don't know who the Kilkenny defender was, but it happened to Rory O'Connor, actually. The defender yeah. grabbed his hurl yeah, over yeah. the uncovered side. Yeah, no, you look as um, it only ever happens against Wexford. Your push mastered that trick a long, long time ago, and you think <laughs> referees we have to cop it onto it at this stage, but no, still lads are getting away with it. It's gas because that Galan one, Galan was pulled for holding Sean O'Donoghue's hurl about 30 seconds before the penalty. <laughs> it's mad, like you know, and he, yeah. he basically did the exact same thing. I don't know, I that that's nothing like diving or simulation to me. That's that that comes into the cuteness category an awful lot more. He bought he bought that free. Don't think he dove to the ground or anything like that. And at the end of the day, that could be that could be the penalty that wins Limerick and All Ireland come the end of the year. And I and a lot of no one no one will remember. All they'll remember is whether Limerick did four in a row or not. The car guys might remember it, all right? But <laughs> true enough, yeah, true enough, true enough. I think it worked from that one because uh, the first one where he got caught, he was facing away from goal. But when he did it the second time, he was turned in towards goal so maybe James Owens didn't have as good a view of it yeah probably so he was definitely obscured a bit anyway and he's a master at that he actually played O'Donoghue's hurl for Flanagan's goal as well but he did it that quick that nobody noticed only Sean O'Donoghue I don't think anybody else in the ground even called for it except O'Donoghue and I just declared I'm sure it happened to the odd time maybe but there's nothing more annoying than a lad playing their heart at the last second and making a clean catch and being in behind you. It's an absolute killer. But Galan is that good at it that he does it that quick. That I don't. I honestly don't think anybody else in the ground saw it except Sean O'Donoghue, who was the one that it happened to. And there's a genius and a beauty to that as well. Yeah, he's very he's very subtle at it. But look, yeah, I think that time now, you know, that was in full view for me, and the referee probably shouldn't have bought that. And you're right, he was it was he was doing his best, and but I don't think the referee should have bought that. It was too big a decision. You have to be so sure about it. And uh, for me, that there wasn't enough in it. Um, you know, if that's the case, there'd be a lot of, or there should be a lot more penalties given, but they're not because of the, for the reasons we're talking about. So um, I'm sure Mark and feeling a bit, bit aggrieved about that today. There's a fella from my club now. He's about four foot, brilliant corner forward. But then the ball used to go up between him and a and a cornerback. He used to be, and he used to catch the ball above the cornerback's head, who about two foot taller than him. <laughs> I won't say why, but sure you know why what we've been talking about. He's a master. At it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's a great it's it's some trick to learn. I presume was he he was hanging in behind, was he, and just tipping at the last second? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like there's a a lot like if you put a hundred hurlers out in the pitch, ninety five of them could probably try and do it and make a bags of it, and just would not be able to do it, and just wouldn't be able to do the two motions together, play the hurl and catch. Then you have a couple of geniuses. Owen Larkin was brilliant at it as well. There were a couple of lads. Big Dan was very good at it. Remember, uh, like there was a couple of there was a couple of lads just unbelievably good at it. They were that good at it. I don't know what Tommy Walsh used to do under high ball, but whatever it was, it worked anyway. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> he was a master at that for sure. Like that was that quick, Declan. Like by all accounts, I mar- I talked to lads that he marked. Like he'd have he'd put his hand in front of your face guard even, or he'd just tip your helmet ever so slightly, and your eye line of vision was gone, and he's gone a hundred yards down the field with the ball. Like, but like to be able to do that that quickly, that's a master at his craft. Like, yeah, yeah, he'd he'd, he'd actually be going up for the ball with his hurl, but he'd he'd hit 
your helmet with his hurl on the way up, but just flicking it with his knuckles and your head will go forward and he'd catch, but it was the yeah. timing. Because if you did it 30 seconds before, sure you'd regain. So it was just mm. on the way, he'd flick, your head would go and he'd catch and he'd be gone off. <laughs> yeah. We actually had, uh, we had Dermot Ling, Gizzy Ling on, I think it was our second episode of this podcast and he was telling us about what he had to do with Martin Comfort for puck outs because Martin was a good bit bigger than him, taller than him, stronger than him, a bit faster than him. And it was just, I think he was saying that as the ball was coming out, just like you were saying, the hurl across the across the eyes just for that second for him to get a, a bit of an advantage on the position. And, and they were practicing that for the whole week before the game. And then there was actually a clip of from the game where you see him out in front grabbing the ball over over a comfort, which is great. I remember Mark Adara Hona one time, six foot seven. He's about, I'm five foot ten on a good day. And when he, when he put his hand up, he put he put his hand. He used to put his hand up a slight bit too early, and he just go like that. He just flick the hand, flick the hand, and that was because otherwise, like even with my hurl, I barely even touch his hand. But you just you try you try to learn little bits of tricks or something to make uh, something to make up for it. Um, but some of those lads are just the, the lads that are real. Like Tommy's five foot ten, and he's one of the best aerial players I've ever seen. JJ Laney is what just six foot. I'd say never he dominated Big Dan under a high ball one day. Like he, he actually took a ball out of, out of his face nearly right right in front of his face. Like, but th- I think it's when lads are smaller, they nearly learn tricks that they have to to survive. Maybe this sometimes the six for four, six or five lad isn't as good in the air. Maybe as the like Connor Mack. What's Connor Mack? Six one, one of the best players in the air we've we've ever seen. I'd say. Do you know what I mean? Probably because it's something he focused on, um, and maybe realized that that was something he'd go after. And I don't know what he did, but he's unbelievable in the air. Yeah, it's a great skill, and it's it's kind of it can it really makes a difference to the team if you have a couple of lads in there in your backs and forwards who can pluck a few you know five or six balls each each um, each half makes an awful difference, and it's it's one of those skills you know there's certain things that it gets the crowd going as well, and it lifts the team. Mm. One of those things that if you can pull it off, it just seems to lift everyone around you and give a bit of a a bit more of a buzz than an ordinary ground ball or whatever. You know that's that's something that. Yeah, we need we need to improve on as well. Well, Carlo ate awfully in the Joe McDonough in the air. They absolutely ate us in the air. And it's just you catch that ball, you're on the front foot straight away. There's no messing. Like you have the ball, you're gone. Especially in modern hurling, you're saying there that the forward has the advantage. You catch a puck out and the defender's chasing after you, you are in business. Like your worst case, you're probably going to win a free. And that was the main difference probably between Carlo and Offley the other night. And just I don't know, lads, I think the aerial ball is I think the aerial ball is coming back. I think teams are starting to realise, okay, we're not going to just leave a big, ignorant high ball into the edge of the square. We put a lovely diagonal ball, nicely floated, get a big man in there. Niall Mitchell's aerial ability. They were big, big ignorant ones. Big, they were. Do you know what I mean? They were ignorant enough. i tell you something. Something he did for the second one, which was absolute genius. I don't know. I think it was Peter Clark hit the ball in for the last goal. Yeah, yeah. And he was in the square just as Clark was winding up. And he looked and he ran out of the square and ran back in because he was actually there too early. He would have been in there too early, not only in the square, but he would have been contesting the ball too early and he would have been a sitting duck and he would have got flicked down. But he got out and came back in. And I think one of the best things you can do when Declan was a master at the centre-back, it's all about timing. When you get there, you get there exactly as the ball is, is dropping, not a second before, not a second after, at the right time. And I think the lads that are best in the air, they time it to absolute perfection. You actually mightn't see them until the ball is actually there to be caught, then they come into the screen. 
yeah, you know, time timing is everything for 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 um high feeling. I'm sure. Look, if you're right, the likes of Tommy and these boys, that JJ, look, you know, Billy Barn. Uh, we have to give Billy a mention. The timing, timing in the air, everything, everything when it comes to it. Yeah, and as you're saying, like when when there is someone with that movement, it's so hard to so hard to keep keep track of where of where they are. Like there's there's a lad from Cross the Beg, Sam Kelly. He he was always so good in the air. Not a big man either. Like I I'd have the height on him. But he'd always go so deep that if I was going back, I'm leaving too much space in front of me. If I'm ever in front of him, the hand comes over the head in front of me to grab the ball. If I'm, if, if I'm behind him, well, then I'm behind him and he's getting the ball. I, I couldn't get to grips with him. Now, it was mentioned on, um, it's been mentioned a few times, but it was uh, second captains had Malky Clark and, and Jamie Wall talking about it during the week. About and This is obviously before the, the weekend that was in it where Wexford and Waterford bought one, but how the championship. Uh, we're the only two counties where the championships are played, the hurling and the club championships are played off separately, the hurling first and the football second. Is running in that, do you think, on why maybe the years haven't gone the way we've wanted them for Wexford and Waterford? Declan, what do you think as someone who has mastered this championship? Yeah. <laughs> well, um... And even from the raps in that he's won football one year and hurling, like it suits a club like the raps. Yeah, look, we're, I suppose we're, you know, a, a very very good dual county in terms of participation and their numbers and you know a lot of the a lot of the senior teams um, are senior hurling and football and you know it's very very hard to mix it up because I suppose you, you have to be fair to the football if, if you if they have a football match this week you can't dictate that you're going to be hurling and there's rows and there's always going to be disagreements about that like I'd say you need to be hurling far more but then like the football as I say well no should we have a championship match we need to be training then you down the hurls for a week and you're losing out in vital time. So it, it was, you know, I felt the, the split season and, and, you know, helped us because it allowed us to focus entirely on our hurling. You know, there was no, like obviously football that wasn't played when the hurling started and that just gave us, you know, tunnel vision on what we needed to do. But then I suppose I am I am listening to a lot and saying that, yeah, look, at um, you're, you're finished hurling for far too long. So now the club player probably doesn't really get going until Paddy's Day. And let's call a spade a spade. The league in Wexford is is um it's it's just useless, you know. Whoever's fault it is, I don't know, or whatever has come to pass, but they're they're glorified practice matches and actually you'd nearly get better um better results out of going and getting a good practice match against a team that you really want to play. That's just the way it is at the moment, and every, nobody will tell you any different. So down you're down to the situation where you're really only getting going for championship, you've six, seven weeks of you know intensity but that's it then the, the hurls are down for you know you probably have the hurls in your hands for four months at best and two of those months is kind of just winding up and getting going two months of real intensity and heavy hitting then you're gone so i suppose exposure to hurling is 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 uh is low it's lower than it has been is it linked to uh wexford water now the championship i don't entirely think so but i do see the merit in um having players hurled for longer because of um, you're just naturally training for longer you're naturally maybe you, you'll play a practice match in the off weeks and stuff like that and obviously then in the last couple of years um, both uh, the Raps and Ferns went out um, of the club championships with you know like we had 12 or 14 weeks whatever it was coming up against a team who played their county final two weeks previously it's just very very hard to crank it up again um, after you know, so that that's another side of it. That you know, you're you're going in very very cold, and friends that have the same issue, or whoever wins it this year have the same issue. So, 
I'm not so sure of the right answer. Maybe we could sort of um, span it out a little bit more, and um, not 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 all the way to October. I'm not saying that because you know there's. I, I think it needs to be a bit tighter. But is it too tight at the moment? Probably is. Can I ask you when is the Wexford Senior Hurling Championship starting? I think it's around the 28th of June. Oh, it's the 28th of June. Well, okay, that's I, actually quite quick. In fairness, it's a month after. You'll have, you'll have finished county action. I, I thought you were going to say something like August or something like that. Don't think Waterford starts till starts till then. I think the the gap that Declan said between winning the county title and playing provincial, unless you're a big hitter like Ballyhale or Ballygunner, that's going to be very very hard to deal with. So it probably is going to have a, a direct consequence on how. Wexford teams fair in the provincial championships. Um, has there been much talk of, you know, changing the football, putting the football first, switching it, alternating years or anything like that? There was a bit of talk about that, and I'm not sure why they didn't go for. It. I know that the football, some of the football guys in the county did want that, but I think that'd be to their detriment because I think if the football was first, lads would be hurling during the football season. They'd be hurling training a lot yeah. more, whereas. When football is second, people will play football. Like Owlert have started to play football, which they didn't before. Buffers Alley have started to play football, which they didn't before. But they're only playing it because, like I'd say, the championship could be finished by the twentieth of August. Of August, yeah, the Harland Championship. And then, if you're not playing football, you're not doing anything. Yeah, okay. okay. One, of the, one of the biggest problems is we've we've uh, two groups of uh, six in each in each uh, senior hurling and senior football. So your championship at minimum it takes eight weeks, so two months. So then you've you've two months of hurling or football, whatever it is, and then you've two months of the other. So that's that's four months that it'll take minimum. That's not without any, any gap weeks, without any you know weeks off for anybody or anything else. So that's four months. So if you start your championship, say the first of J- J- July, your July, August, um, September, October. So you're not really finishing off until the end of October. So that's just in time for Leinster Club Championships, you know. So I think look at. We've two bigger groups to allow it to have a little bit more flexibility. I think maybe that's something we could we could look at, and um, because you're you you really have to rattle off games, and you've no you've no room for manoeuvre, you've no spare time, you can't elongate the championship anyway because you've no time. It's two months each if you progress, but if you don't get out of that group, finish, finish after five weeks. You're you're very yeah little. yeah yeah. Well, that's 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 the other side of it. Yeah, like the, the maximum is is two months and. But like nothing will be started in the other championship yeah, until yeah. one championship is finished. Yeah, you could be out by five weeks. You're dead right. Lord help you if you nip the hamstring or anything like that. Oh, well, that, <laughs> that's that's it again. That's another thing. In the first round of the championship, you go off with a hamstring or any kind of a an injury. That's your your year done. Yeah, it's mad. It's mad. Well, and listen, it's it same account, same account same county at the moment. Um, mm. to be fair as well, like if you pick up a knock, you're. Your chance are you're going to miss the whole thing. By all accounts, I think Adrian Mullins in a good bit of bother. He came off with that hand injury yesterday. I think he's a fractured thumb and looks like he could miss six weeks as well. So, and I think Mikey Butler's in a bit of trouble and I think Martin Keown's in a bit of trouble. They all came off yesterday as well. So, how bang, bang, bang it is probably is a, an effect at county level now as well. Yeah. Derek should have rested him up. Exactly, it's his own fault. <laughs> we're getting, we're getting, we're getting slated and awfully for resting for resting lads in the last game against Carlo. People saying that we chose to play at Carlo. Never heard such absolute nonsense in my life. With four or five lads carrying knocks, and you were through to a final already. You know, I'd have to say fair. Like Derek's got probably punished for for putting out a strong team, which is unfortunate. Tip got punished a few years ago, put out a strong team, and uh, 
last group game in 2019, remember Carl Barrett went, got injured and Bonner Matter got injured and they got annihilated by Limerick in the Munster final when they played them again. That's just the, the breaks of it. But uh, yeah, I, I can't get over people hammering us over that, uh, playing, making 12 changes for a game when you're already true, you know? I, I, think, I think it was just, it was a Willie Maher kind of from Leach and was there someone else? Yeah, uh, Willie, was, yeah, Willie was going on about it as well, saying awfully chose to play, awfully yeah. chose not to play <laughs> Leash. Janie Mack, lads, yeah. we already bet, we already bet Leash in the championship. Stop with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. I think Willie just saw a chance to throw out the fishing rod. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> just well, like he your... got he, he got me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> just like just like yourselves, which are would kill would Kenny get out of Munster and would Waterford get through to the Leinster final? <laughs> yeah, no, that was that wasn't my idea. That was my idea, you know. But um, yeah, it, it definitely got people talking anyway. <laughs> and uh, now it's time to pick the hurler of the week, sponsored by Bolands Wexford. The Bolands 100 deal is back with some amazing deals this May, and you can expect slashed prices, fantastic finance deals. And unbeatable trade-ins plus comprehensive warranties on all vehicles for your peace of mind. Don't wait. Visit Boland's Wexford Ford, Hyundai and Volvo in Ferrybank, Wexford Town. So, contenders for Hurler of the Week. There was a good half a dozen Wexford players that were outstanding. You know, there was another half a dozen that were, were really excellent as well. Liam Ryan and Theo Keefe. You know, all the backs there, Connor Davids, you know, Matt Mahanlon got the grips with TJ. After the first 15 minutes, uh, Simon Dunne, who was very, very solid throughout. Then you move up to midfield, like Kevin Foley had, you know, geez, he really grew, grew into the game and he emptied the tank and had a great game. And, you know, like, but I suppose the one man who, even when we were struggling and, you know, he, he was absolutely given everything. He was not going to be bested for any ball from minute one till the final whistle. And he was instrumental and he was inspirational. And he was just magnificent, and so that's Lee Chin. Um, and like he, he just he led from the he led from the start. He led he led all the way to the finish. And he's a, you know, he's a he's a super player, and we really needed him yesterday. And you know, above all else, everyone as I said, there was lots of excellent players, but he was just he was the cream of the crop yesterday. Best man on the field. A colossus. Yeah, Did you ever marked him. Oh God, I marked him in a league match up in Belfield one day. And uh, I was getting towards the end, I think, anyhow. But uh, I, look, it was league as well, so I was thinking, look, I'll, I'll, I'll give him a few scores there. The championship is where it matters. Um, but he, he scored about three five from centre forward. I said, uh, maybe I should have retired last year. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we overturned him out now I gave the championship. So look, I was, I was kind of thinking, yeah, we should. And I keep saying to the younger lads, championship is all that matters. Those on those days. <laughs> uh, he was uh, he just giving away from me I couldn't I wouldn't have caught him on a moped he was just grabbing balls over me and flying off and I was looking at him going in the distance and said look he's, he's just an athlete Michael you, you would have probably gone with uh, Owen Cody for his hat-trick would you? Oh it is I wouldn't have no I, um, <laughs> uh, I would not I have to say boys I think Lee Chin is still underrated by a lot of people outside of Wexford I think people in Wexford see him probably week in week out and know like he he live he can lift Wexford by himself at times, and that seemed to even be to a lesser extent yesterday. But he just he was throwing himself in everywhere. He's probably I don't even know what percentage fit he is at the moment. And you could say the same last year, and he was a one man wrecking machine against Clare in that quarter final last year. Same kind of yesterday, he was just on everything. The penalty when it was needed, he stood up. 
and he was just so he delivered a hand pass for McGovern's brilliant goal as well. Uh, Nemo McGovern definitely would be in the conversation too. He just yeah. he's some he's some warrior lads. Jeez, he he is some warrior. No talk about a la- talk about a lad that maxes out on everything every day he goes out. Some days it works for him, other days it doesn't. But he'll always leave everything out there. Um, but it'd be it'd be chin for me. Yeah, just uh, yeah, he's he's just a he's just a bear of a man who you think he shouldn't be able to move the way he moves the sight with the size of him. But he just can glide away from lads as well. He, he was gliding away at different stages in the second half. Remember, he got a point in the second half. Where he just kind of glided away. He'd no right to win the ball. It was around his feet. And he caught it at the second attempt, I think, and threw it over the bar. But uh, yeah, it'd be leeching for me. When, when, you needed your, when, when you needed your big men, all your big men stood up yesterday. But, you know, the biggest of them all, and he brought the fight to Kilkenny the whole way through. Congratulations to Lee Chin on being the hurler of the week in the most important match that we've had in a very, very long time. But yeah, as you say, honourable mention to, to Mogi. I mean, even for that second goal, when the flick from Kevin Foley, I think the max determination in getting that ball as well out, out because he had three, he was surrounded by three Kilkenny lads, the flick from Kevin Foley. But then even Mogi, we talked about lads diving earlier. Mogi took the shot fell to the ground, didn't look for any penalty. Yeah, he, yeah. he was still only determined on one thing and that was getting a one-handed flick to the ball into the net and it was magical. He showed mag- he showed brilliant composure. Like even like that goal was brilliant, but the one before or after his second goal or his first goal, I mean, he had a lot of work to do to beat Owen Murphy and he, he, he literally put into one spot and Owen Murphy couldn't save it. Yeah. And it was at a team like, of, you know, we were, you know, we were re- really in the mix and, and under pressure. And he showed just some composure yesterday to, um, you know, to score those two goals. So look, yeah, magnificent all through. And you're right, like he empties the tank. He's he's one of those guys you'd, you'd rarely say, you know, he had let he had he had something left in the tank today. He doesn't. Thanks very much, lads, for for ha- having the chats with us. No bother yeah. at all, Jis. No, I was I was good to talk hurling, man. Yeah, I thought that yeah, was yeah. Damien Fitzhenry is the best at what he did to ever played it. Unquestionably was the best there ever was. My God, like, it was just so good. It was so good. I mean, he's a magician. I'm the youngest in the 15, uh, nine brothers and five sisters. They just stuck you in the goal then. Yeah, well, uh, a so-called goal, uh, two tar barrels. Damien Fitzhenry was the best goalkeeper I ever played, but you know I'd say, say that. Damien Fitzhenry is the best goalkeeper I've ever seen. So I'd probably, like, I'd probably say Damien. Unfortunately, Shane Tompkins couldn't make it. You, you probably saw the injury he got, Gary? I didn't know. He was waiting in line with all the other kids to get Lee Mog McGovern's autograph and one of one of the hurls that was you know in front of Lee Moog's face to get signed accidentally hit Shane in the in the cheek. Oh no. So, yeah so he didn't want to come on the pod. Oh I hope it's not too bad because we're we're into a league final after beating one in the semi final there at the weekend. So I hope he's not gonna be I hope he's gonna be alright for that. Jeez that's a very unfortunate injury. He said he was icing his did do you know if he got Lee Muggs' um, autograph after? No, he didn't. Oh, 
maybe. Anyway, thanks everyone for listening. Thanks to our sponsor, the Enerscarty Credit Union. Take care. If you, Mogi, if you're listening, maybe you can um, you can talk Shane out loud. Hope I heard. Hello.